Now on Documentary on News Talk, producer Brian Gallagher explores the lives of the many people involved in running the busiest train station in Ireland, in Connolly Station, a day in the life. It's the busiest train station in Ireland, and it's been part of the fabric of Dublin since its foundation stone was laid back in 1844. Originally called Dublin Station, then Amiens Street Station, today it's known as Connolly Station, named after the Labour leader and head of the Citizen Army, James Connolly. Let's meet some of the people whose lives are intertwined with the station. Travelling by train is really comfortable. I really enjoy it and I think there's a nice kind of a routine of getting your ticket, get my coffee, get your chocolate, get the paper and then have your laptop and your work ready and really enjoy the time to switch off before you get to your destination. I love the train and the best part of it all was you could get up and you can walk from one part to the other and mind everyone else's business but your own. We've had a few incidents with lost property. A fella lost a canoe and we found the canoe, okay. I don't know how we left it behind. The canoe was about seven foot long. And we had her in the information and uh, came and collected her. Goes back to my time in short pants. I was brought up right beside the railway line at, at Sandyman Station. And I suppose from a very early age, I became uh, aware of the trains. We were all steam in those days, of course. I love the trains up in Connolly. The smell of the oil and the, the diesel brings back great memories of Connolly. I love Fridays especially because you've everybody going away on holidays, everybody's in fantastic form and they're all just looking forward to actually being able to get out there and live a life. If, from the customers to the staff to the staff that work here, there's always a constant buzz that goes on. Like everybody that even works here, they're all such a lovely bunch. This time last year now, um, there was a girl and um, I uh, saved her life. Today, Connolly Station houses the headquarters of Irish Rail, and Jane Cregan, their communications manager, tells of the station's origins. The station opened in 1846. The architect that designed the station was William Dean Butler. It's a classical style building, and there's granite on the facade. If you walk down Talbot Street, you can see it from a distance, and it is a very beautiful building, but you don't appreciate the architecture the way you would perhaps with Houston because it's out on its own at the end of the keys, whereas this is you're upon the station before you realise it. But, you know, I would recommend anyone just to have a little look around and see because it is, it is beautifully designed. An important part of the design is the station's tower, or campanile, which featured during a turbulent period in Irish history. That Campanile, during the 1916 Rising, it was taken over by the British troops and they were sniping up Talbot Street up to the rebels who had taken over the GPO at that time. And the station had another important role during the Rising. It was where communication came from the station to the British War Office in London and because the GPO was taken over, but there was a telegraph system here so they could get in touch, so that was used as well. So, I mean, there's lots of history in the building. Today, though... The station is the busiest in the country. So let's see what a day is like in the life of Connolly Station. Assistant station manager Kevin Connolly tells how the day begins. This morning I'm going to be bed at 4.20, have breakfast, 
We get the 5.40 train out of Sundorf in the morning. Has been here at 5 to 7. We shift starts at 7 o'clock. They're sort of ready for service forms, have to be filled by the night staff, so you have to make sure that everything is okay there, that all the escalators are working, all the lifts are working. Um, we generally just check that everything is safe for the customers when they come before they come into us. And then just make sure all the staff are on duty, everybody's okay, everybody's happy enough that they know what they're supposed to be doing that day. And then after that, it's meet customers. If people weren't looking for the manager because there's complaints, you know, what can deal with that. We would have ticket machines, we would go faulty. And generally then we've, we've our safety monitoring to do in the station. We can also be busy with people needing assistance. In a station as busy as Connolly, providing personal assistance to passengers is a big commitment. I asked Kevin what sort of numbers are involved. Up to 10,000 people in a year we would have, which would be wheelchair passengers or visually impaired passengers, or just people needing assistance, people are ramped down just to make sure they're in. But we'd have 10,000 of them a year in Conley Station. So what's the peak period for activity? Peak time for us on Monday to Friday really is kind of from about 7 o'clock to 9.30. And then there's a mini peak around 12.30 to about half past one. And then we have another peak then at about four o'clock that gets us through to half past seven. Today we take it for granted that all parts of the rail network are linked up. But Connolly and Pierce stations had no link between them until 1891 when Dublin's Loopline Bridge was opened. So it linked Amien Street and Westland Row. It was a significant feat of engineering to get that bridge over the Liffey. And as a result of that, then three new platforms were built. And it was great because it gave great connectivity through the Loopline Bridge onto Westland Row, onto Kingstown. But also on this side here, on Connolly side, we had the tunnel that went to what was then known as King's Bridge. So then there was a link to there as well. So it, it just gave great connectivity. And I suppose Connolly Station has been really central to the development of the railways in Ireland. Train, oh train, take me back again. Keeping the trains moving all across Ireland is a challenging job. Darren Bow is the manager of Central Traffic Control, which is based in Connolly, and Darren tells how each morning he and his team begin anew. We start every day from scratch, basically. We start with a fresh day with a new timetable, and we are monitoring then progress through the day. This monitoring takes place in a control room, not unlike an air traffic control centre, where screens show the whereabouts of trains, the length and breadth of the country. So basically the controller is in there, he's monitoring the real time against the plan, and it's his role then to intervene to put things right, which is sometimes not so easy. And people get very frustrated, but uh, we do our best. I asked Darren how many staff work in central traffic control. We have 80 people here in the site that manages network traffic, which is roughly 2,000 kilometres. We have controllers, we have signalers, and we have our customer information people. We work as a team to deliver the daily train plan, which is basically the working timetable. And we, we try and keep trains to the right time running as best we can. Another responsibility is the safe operation of level crossings. There are about 200 level crossings. We control 14 of them from here. There are 10 on the dark line and 4 on the minute line. So we have operators who monitor the operation of those level crossings, who make sure it's safe for the train to pass through. But level crossings make life difficult, both for motorists and pedestrians and for the railway planners. The plan over time, if you take the DART Plus project, is to eliminate as many as we can. It makes for a more efficient railway operation and it helps the road user to have a bridge. As I say, the safest level crossing is a bridge. 
The intention is for Central Traffic Control to move to a new, custom-built facility at Houston Station. But for now, it continues to monitor carefully Ireland's rail network from its home in Connolly Station. Train. Lisa Dunn is the manager of Madigan's Been and Gone Cafe in Connolly. And I asked her, what are the popular items with her customers? Our best sellers would be sausage rolls, jambons. Sometimes we can't keep them in the, the hot unit quick enough. As soon as they're in, they're gone. Wedgies, spicy wedgies go really well. We also do falafel. We, we like to cater for everybody all around. So we do vegan food, we do vegetarian food, and we also cater down for the meat eaters. When it comes to drinks, there's one clear winner, coffee. Now it's gotten huge. Like it's, we do beautiful coffee. We're actually introducing our iced coffees we're bringing in. We do lovely flavoured coffee. So you have your caramel, your vanilla, your macchiatos, all the posh ones, we do it all. To cater for the thousands of commuters passing through the station, Lisa and her staff work long hours. We do have an eventful day every day. We have early morning starts, which would be from six o'clock. Uh, we open up from seven for business for our customers. Yeah, so we do fresh sandwiches every day. We've introduced new gourmet sandwiches also, which have go really, really well. Um, we our trade actually starts from seven, and it keeps going right up to lunchtime. Then you probably get quiet time, get a bit of peace, and then you start back again. Lisa though likes her job, and when asked what her favourite part of it is, she didn't hesitate. The people. Absolutely the people, but the way I look at it, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the people that walk through. And the stories we hear and the interaction we have with them, like we have a great bit of a laugh and a great bit of a skit with everybody that walks in. And coming up to the weekend in Connolly Station is Lisa's favourite time, as she explains. I love Fridays especially because you have everybody going away on holidays, everybody's in fantastic form and they're all just looking forward to actually being able to get out there and live a life. From the customers to the staff, to the staff that work here, there's always a constant buzz that goes on. Like everybody that even works here, they're all such a lovely bunch. Mick Danaher is the infrastructure manager of Irish Rail for the eastern side of Ireland. He's responsible for the maintenance of the tracks, the bridges, the points and the crossings. I asked him how Connolly Station fits into the overall scheme of things. A testing location in terms of maintaining the geometry, the curves, the amounts of points and crossings and it's the busiest location in the country for our services. The eastern side of the country would see 80% of all services in Irish Rail and of that the vast vast majority operate through the Connolly location the Dart. We've also got the Northerns coming in, we've got the new line through Euston under the Phoenix Park Tunnel which takes the trains to Grand Canal Dock, we've got the Rosslare service so you've got a, a spaghetti field of operations through Connolly so it's, it's key. To keep everything running smoothly constant maintenance is needed. Connolly is very challenging from that perspective because everything is maintained at night because the services, the location is so busy during the day. It could be the points and crossings, the bridges, the boundary, anything basically that you can think that the train runs on. And as anything runs, like maintenance in your house, things deteriorate, just got to keep an eye on it to make sure that it doesn't go beyond the point where it fails in service. While safety has to come first, 
The maintenance staff also have to think of the station's neighbours. Within the tight windows that we're operating at night, we also have to be very conscious of the residents. We're working in a heavily residential area, so the environmental aspect of what we do, noise, dust, control, is essential. It's just another challenge. The actual running of the trains themselves is quieter nowadays. With continuous welded track on most intercity routes, the clickety-clack sound that the joints on the track made is less of an issue. But Connolly Station still presents challenges. Unfortunately in Connolly, because of the curvature of the tracks, particularly around platforms 5, 6 and 7, we would still have joined the track just because of the nature of the curvature of the tracks. So that's, that's just the way it is. I mean, where well, you mentioned the jointed track area that was there back in the day, we're focused also on trying to make sure that we remove the joints as much as possible in the residential areas, such that we're really only left with the joints where they absolutely must be because of geometry. So at least that takes that clickety-click away from the residents' windows and um, the operational interface between the train and the rail is better than it was before, so the noise is less from the train running, which also brings a, another issue to our door to be careful of in terms of those who might be out there maybe trespassing on the line, the line working, that you don't necessarily hear a train coming. Some people who trespass can be caught out very, very quickly because the trains are so quiet now. So it's very, very important that our boundaries sustained, maintained, and that people do not trespass on the railway. Despite the many responsibilities of Mick Danaher's job, he remains upbeat and philosophical. It's a privilege to be in this position. It's great to be responsible for the railway. We're just another person passing through, looking after something and trying to make it better. It's a privilege to be tasked with the responsibility of maintaining it and renewing it. It's very privileged. Fifty thousand passengers a day pass through the station, and I asked Kevin Connolly if it was a challenge to keep the place clean. It is it's contracted out, so we have cleaning company that deals for that. That's contracted to deal with that. We have a team of six staff in total, and they're here from seven in the morning till, till midnight. We clean and audit, so we've our own clean and audit twice a month. We also have internal audits come in twice a month, and then we also have the mystery shopper coming in and doing an, an external audit for us. And it took a long time, but we've regularly score 92% now on the cleaning audits. Staff would be excellent in the, in the sense that if the customer could be running down platform four there and drop a cup of coffee, you know, and to us that, first of all that's a slip hazard for us so we need to find it quickly and check it out and then we just call a cleaner and the cleaners are up usually within minutes for us and mop it all up. We try our best to make it a clean station. Passengers have a part to play too. We made sure we, we could put a lot of bins in the station. In fairness, most of our customers, I'd say the vast majority of our customers, use the bins. You know, it, for, for such a lot of people using it, it, it doesn't get terribly dirty. The customers in general, are, you know, they keep it clean themselves, you know, which is great. Derek O'Brien works on the platforms in Connolly. I asked him what it's like dealing with the public on a daily basis. Every shift is different. Um, Every person is different that comes through the station. And with the amount of people that do come through, you get to know them. Some of them will come in and they'll tell you about their ailments and they've been to the hospital and this and that. Others will come in just even for the chat. And you might be the only person that they'd probably talk to for the day. And that makes their day, I think, and they're gone back on the train. Sometimes people show their gratitude in unusual ways. Well, there are two elderly ladies that come in nearly every third or fourth day and they'll come up to you at the barrier and they will have that little chat with you. Little joke and all they do and they will go out and when they're coming back in the evening, whoever is there on the barrier, 
they will automatically come back and throw two or three bags of sweets on the counter and they will say to you thanks very much for looking after us today and uh, other people come in as i was saying earlier they they stay around and you get to know them all and that's the great thing about the station you meet different people every day from all walks of life occasionally Derek's interactions with the public have major consequences. This time last year now, um, there was a girl and um, I uh, saved her life. She was threatening to jump off one of the concourse things out in, at the Lewis stop. And she came into the station earlier and the poor girl kind of just a bit depressed. And she ended up going out onto the top of the Lewis stop and ready to jump off. I went out, talked to her and uh, telling her about family. I was talking about my own kids and my grandkids and telling her how she would love to see our kids growing up and our grandkids and all. And eventually uh, I got her to hold on to my arm and one of the other security guards got in behind and stopped her. We got her out, gave me a hug and sobbed into my shoulder for about 10 minutes. And then the ambulance came and they, t- they took the girl away to the hospital and uh, she's been in touch with me and I stay in touch with her on, on uh, social media and uh, now and again we, we'll have a chat and as I say to her, if ever you need to talk, I'm here, just give us a chat. On a lighter note, Derek recalls some of the things left behind on trains. We've had a few incidents with lost property. A fella lost a canoe and we found a canoe, okay. I don't know how he left it behind. The canoe was about seven foot long and we had her in the information and uh, came and collected it. And there's one story now of this elderly man rang up around the end of November. Can he help me, he says. I've lost me false teeth. He's saying, Jeannie Mac, I, I wouldn't be able to eat me dinner at Christmas now with no teeth. And I said, oh, we'll have a look now. You do get them. And he says, there's nothing here at the moment. I said, uh, but eventually we did find them and we got them back. Some items left behind can be a little mind-boggling. You'll find a wheelchair on the train. And next of all, they're coming at you. Uh, I left my wheelchair behind. Did you find a wheelchair? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a miraculous discovery. It is gas. Some of the things does be left behind. Security at a busy station like Connolly is important. Paul Hayes of OCS Security discusses their role. Their main objective is to, to provide a safe environment for passengers as well as for staff. Paul and his colleagues do this by providing a uniformed presence in the station that deters antisocial behaviour while also offering helpful service to passengers. Paul likes his job and explains how important attitude is. I am here going into the 18th year with the general public and how nice people are to you. But they're only nice to you because you're nice to them. And that's what it is. If you have a nice demeanour about you and you can talk to people and all it is is people just asking you, how do I get from A to B? And it's very simple. If we know it, we will tell them. If we don't, we will go out to the customer service. Every day is a learning curve in here, definitely. And the public are, 99.9% are very decent people who just want to get on the train and go home or go to wherever they're going. Sometimes though, the security staff in Connolly have to deal with people who are drunk or disorderly. I asked Paul what their approach is. We're just trying to escort them outside the door. The main thing is get them outside the door and nine times out of ten, they will just leave at their own accord, you know. Once we, once we tell them there, we'd stand at the door and sort of block their exit from going back in. And once you know that, most of them go. Our job is not to call the guardie if it's not needed because only waste of resources. So if we can handle ourselves, and that's the job, if you can talk to people, doesn't matter what, whether they're under influence of drink or drugs, if you talk to people, that's your best, that's your best weapon. Communication skills are important, 
But most of the time, visibility is enough to keep things in check. When people come into the station, they're reassured that once they see us, and that's why we stand out with the high vis, and people can see us, and people are a bit more relaxed once they see our presence, and that's what it's all about. But while most passengers are reassured by seeing the security staff going about their business, some people get the wrong impression, as Paul Hayes explains. So our job is a lot harder than what people would think, because when you first come in, you just see us standing there, and they're probably watching us for 20 minutes, and just seeing us walking around, so that's a handy job. Probably 80%, 80% of that is that, because it's their physical presence around it. But the other 20% we're dealing with issues that people don't see. We do a lot more things behind the scene. As I said, we assist people, we help people. We make sure there's no um, physical harm to passengers or to staff, and that there's no criminal damage done, to, as I said, to the railway. <laughs> The old goods yard in Connolly was a huge area from where in the past freight was distributed throughout the country. Today, the site is about to be redeveloped, as Jane Cregan explains. Behind us here, there's a big section of land. If you just go down to the end of Sheriff Street Lower, you will see a big entrance, and that entrance was into the goods yard. There's a sign that says in and a sign that says out. They still remain to today. So freight obviously would have been very, very big before the road network developed. So we would have had a lot of freight coming in here. Then that would have been transported all around the country by train. So it was a very big part of our business at one point. There was vaults underneath the station and wine importers used to use those and then they would transport their wine around the country. It got busier and busier and there wasn't enough space in those vaults and also road transport developed and so uh, road transport became more attractive. So the importance of freight is reduced down and then the freight moved to North Wall, freight operations moved to North Wall. This move freed up a huge area for other uses and with the increasing car ownership, space for parking was needed. Behind us here today, many of your listeners will be familiar, there's a big public car park. There was also other aspects of the railway that would have had offices or depots around the Connolly Station car park. But we have now entered a partnership with Ballymore and Oxley to redevelop that area. It's going to be a mixed-use development, so there's going to be offices, hotel and apartments in that space. So I think it's going to breathe great new life into that area. It's really good for the north inner city because it will bring more people to live and work in this area there will also still be car parking facilities available but it's going to look very different to what it does today during the first world war many thousands of irishmen lost their lives including members of the staff of the great northern railway whose sacrifice is commemorated at Connolly Station. Passed each day by thousands of commuters, but probably noted by very few, is a plaque upon the station wall that reads, in memory of the following members of the staff of the Great Northern Railway, Ireland, who laid down their lives for their country in the Great War 1914 to 1918. Below that are listed the names of the 87 railway workers who never came home from the war a sobering reminder of the turbulent times to which the station has been witness.
There's something unique about travelling by train, and we asked people for their abiding memories. One of the great train journeys we took was a train. It's a very iconic image you might see of an old-fashioned train with no doors and people sitting on the sides with their legs hanging out. And you can take that train in Sri Lanka. Everyone takes their turns sitting on the door with their legs out to get their photo. There's a bend in the track. You can position yourself and then your partner to take your picture on the other side and all the train and the bridge behind you. We used to get a big bag of you know, lemonade and sweets and stuff and make sandwiches and we just take a return to Kathu break and we sit on the beach, eat our few sandwiches, eat our sweets and our coke and stuff and we jump on the train and come home that evening. God, we'd be buzzing coming back with all the sugar. Just after the floods, I travelled from Dublin to Sligo and the water and the landscape and it looking like lakes right up to the train tracks, it actually looked great in the sunlight. I'm sure it wasn't great for the poor old farmers, but it was actually fabulous to look at as we moved through quietly through the countryside, surrounded by water. The Rhine is fabulous. You've got a railway line on both sides of the river there. And if you just go along, you just you going along on one side, you can watch the trains running in parallel on the other side. And it's, it's glorious, really. It's, it's hard to be anywhere, I would have said. It's beautiful scenery and a lot of railway activity as such. You can see freight trains and passenger trains and all going along the other line across the way. And it's spectacular, really. In years gone by, we would have done a opera train for the first night of the Wexford Opera Festival and it always sticks in my mind. It was a beautiful summer's evening and we were transported down along the east coast going through Dalkey and Kalini and on through Greystones and all the sea beside us and we were having a beautiful meal that was served to us and then we arrived for the opera and that was really impressive and then we came back and it was a beautiful summer's evening and had champagne on the way back. The most impressive rail journey I've ever had was on the, with the driver on the Eurostar from London to Paris and it was, it was really an experience that you will never forget. Sitting with the driver, this train travelling at 300 kilometres an hour, it's just, it's just amazing. My first time as a young guy from Mayo, I was up visiting cousins and my uncle, who loved trains, took me on a dart out to break and he was just fascinated with how smooth the train was and he'd put a glass of water there to show you the, the very few ripples and uh, it was a lovely day out and it's a lovely journey as you go across that coastal route. Assistant station manager Kevin Connolly is a busy man. I asked him how many trains go through Connolly Station each day. Probably in the region of 200 to 220 train movements a day. That's coming and going all day long. You know, because we've darts every 10 minutes. We have commuter trains every 30 minutes. We've intercity trains leaving here every two hours. The darts would come, stop the platform, 30 seconds there, they're gone again. There's people coming and going. It's a busy place. So what's the most interesting aspect of running a station? I think it's the challenge we get on a day-to-day basis that every day is never the same here. We never say it's going to be a quiet day today because as sure as you say today's going to be quiet, something happens to you and all of a sudden you're in the manure business here. For us to do all business, we need trains running. So we only need something, a disruption, a very small disruption, and all of a sudden then we're down to physically managing people coming and going and maybe stopping people from getting into the station because the station is full. We've only had to do it, I think, twice. I'm here 14 years. I think twice in 14 years we had to do it. Sometimes, though, the station is closed voluntarily. The engineers have to go in and fix track or something, so we would know at a certain weekend, October bank holiday weekend, we have three days of closure here, there's very little trains going through Conley Station. 
but that's all planned. What's also planned for is the fact that with 50,000 passengers a day passing through the station, people will become ill. We've all sorts of stuff happening here. We've two defibrillators here, so we've six people in the station trained to do defibrillators. We've um, first aiders, we've four first aid points in the station. And we've stuff, you know, people not just feeling well, maybe diabetics who just didn't take medication. We epilepsies. We haven't had any need to use the defibrillator in about two years, but we had used it nearly five times in the previous two years. We saved four lives we saved, which is a great feeling too. Kevin recalls advice he was once given about focusing on his own area of responsibility. When I joined the railway in 1984, it's an old foreman who used to tell me, once you see the two tail lamps leaving the station, it's somebody else's business. And we all used to laugh at that. And really, I run this station. This is my station. I need to run this, and I need to run it safely. And our priority is getting our customers in our front door and on the train safely, or getting them off our trains and out our front door safely. That's the number one priority in this station, is getting people through the station safely. I am woman, hear me roar In numbers too big to ignore And I know too much to go back and pretend Cause I've heard it all before. In the early days of the women's liberation movement in Ireland, Connolly Station was the scene for a much-publicised showdown between Irish feminists and the forces of the state. With contraceptives banned from public sale in the Republic at the time, by way of protest, a group of women took the train from Connolly to Belfast, where they legally bought a variety of contraceptives. Travelling back on the train, they sang the protest anthem of the day, We Shall Overcome, while wondering what would happen to them on their return to Dublin. But if the protesters against the Republic's outdated laws sought publicity for their cause, they could hardly have asked for a better outcome than the drama that was unfolding at Connolly Station. Customs officers had the platform blocked off with tables, while hundreds of supporters of the women carried placards and chanted, let them through. No one knew what would happen when the train came to a halt, but there was a sense that history was unfolding, and cameras were at the ready in the station to record whatever transpired. The women disembarked and approached the barrier. Embarrassed-looking customs officers asked for the contraband to be handed over, but seemed unsure what to do when the women simply refused. With the chant of let them through ringing in their ears, the customs officers blinked first. The tables were pulled aside and the women passed through, marching triumphantly along platform two and waving their illicit purchases in the air to the cheers of their supporters. Ireland has changed so much since then that it's hard to believe that a trained passenger in 1971 could actually have been arrested for importing a condom. But that was the law back then, and Connolly Station was the setting for a pivotal moment in our social history. Rush hour comes around, and with it there can be a scramble for seats on the train. 
We asked some commuters how they dealt with this. You might know where to stand on the platform. So you'd have landmarks around lampposts and bins and places to where the doors would open. And again, that would depend. You'd know that might change on the time of train because of the number of carriages that were on. When you're getting on commuter trains now, you have to have your wits about you. You might have to push yourself on and then it's finding your spot. Like if there are no seats to get your back up against one of the structures so that you're not falling all over the place and you can balance. It's very up close and personal, so you need to be careful who you stand beside. Platform tactics come into play. But there's always a moment where you see someone standing very firmly out and looks like they know what they're doing and you have to decide, do you agree with them or are you going to back yourself and where you think the doors are going to open? So definitely the more you used it, the smarter you got because seats were very coveted on those peak trains. There is a way, however, to get to sit in a crowded carriage. The one thing that should be guaranteed to get your seat is the baby on board badge that Irish Rail give out, which is a really good initiative that if you had that badge on your jacket, it was saying that you were pregnant and you would gladly accept a seat. You'd be surprised the number of people who couldn't see the badge or couldn't make eye contact when you were wearing it. But that definitely, over the latter months of pregnancy, meant a seat was guaranteed. There's something about steam trains, and Mona Rogers, now in her hundredth year, remembers travelling on them as a girl. I loved the steam train. They'd blow the horn, the steam would come out, and everyone had to sit down in their seats and behave themselves. Then, when it would go on a little bit, you could look out the window and you could see the steam coming up from the engine in the front. And that's the part I like best of all, was the steam. That was fascinating. But of course, you weren't allowed to put your head out through the window, which I was often tempted to do, but I didn't do it. Oh, I love trains, and I still like them. You could get up and you can walk from one part to the other, and mind everyone else's business but your own. The steam trains that Mona remembers haven't been a normal service since the 1960s, but steam trains still run from Connolly, organised by enthusiasts like David Houston of the Railway Preservation Society of Ireland. The Railway Preservation Society was created in 1964 when railway enthusiasts saw that steam engines were largely on the way out, so something had to be done to try to preserve them for posterity. Since then, we have managed to uh, rescue, if that's the right word, eight steam engines, and uh, a number of those are in service. A number of them are under overhaul, and we're actually building a new one at the moment. So not only are we a preservation society, but we're looking to the future as well to continue the, uh, the whole concept of steam, travelling behind steam. I asked David how we got drawn into the world of trains. It goes back to my time in short pants. I was brought up right beside the railway line at, at Sandyman Station. And I suppose from a very early age, I became uh, aware of the trains. They were all steam in those days, of course. My father used to bring me into Amiens Street, as it was Connolly Station, to see uh, the big air engines in there. So he would go in there and spend a few hours there looking at the big Great Northern blue engines, which he liked. I liked the CIE engines with their dirt and their grime. So we used to go in there quite often. It built from that, really. And then the Royal Preservation Society came along and I got involved in that. And So it's been, it's been in my blood ever since. I think living beside the railway gave me the, the, the germ for it, so to speak. Connolly Station is the starting point for the annual Santa trains, pulled by steam-powered locomotives. <laughs> 
Santa Trains then, they came on board about 1994 and uh, they were immediately a whirlwind success. We run about 18 special trains for Santa Claus every every year. But they, on average, would carry about 400 people each. But we turn away as many as, as actually travel on it. Unfortunately, we just can't cope with them. So it's been a runaway success and uh, hopefully they'll continue with that into the future. The railway company are very helpful and the steam locomotives are kept, again, due to the kind offices of Ian Road Erin, they kept in the, in the former locomotive shed in Connolly Station. They recognise that preservation, you know, it, it's part of the day-to-day, part of the routine of the railway really now. From an old-style form of transport, we go to Dublin's most modern form, the Lewis. In 2004, the Lewis arrived at Connolly. Barry Scully of Transdev, the company that runs the trams, tells what it was like when the red line reached Connolly Station. People arrived down the escalator and onto a tram and no way to go. I'd say pre-2004, if you wanted to go to Tala Hospital or James's, and it was out onto a bus up to Tala. Now it's straight down an escalator on the dart. You can come from Holt, Port Marnock, walk onto a tram. There's nearly always a tram there. So the red line really touches a lot of important spots that would have been inaccessible, let's say, many years ago. The law has changed since then. Um, we now run from Connolly to Tala Sagart and also down as far as the Point Depot, which is directly outside the Tree Arena, which is a gift if you're going to a gig. Further extensions now connect Connolly with Broom Bridge on the north side and Bride's Glen on the south side. The Lewis and the Mainline Rail have combined well, and so too have the Connolly station staff and the Lewis staff, as Barry Scully explains. We have a great relationship with the guys up in Connolly. Now that we, we moved in on our turf, I think it's a happy relationship we have with them, uh, Irish Rail, and um, long may it continue. Back in the station, I asked about contingency planning for when problems arise. Kevin Connolly provided the answers. One of the biggest problems for us in Connolly is, is points. Where, points where we make trains change tracks, and if one, one set in particular, if they fail, there's no train can move to Connolly Station, which is not good for us here. So the mechanical engineering people have come up with this thing, what they call an MERT, which is a kind of an emergency response team. So anything goes, they deploy. and They won't be able to keep all the, the platforms open, but we've already planned to say which platforms have to be kept open. And they just make sure that the points are secured for those platforms. And that just means we have trains running, we have trains operational. We can get people to and from work or home to home from work. Customers, though, can sometimes get frustrated when the regular train doesn't go from its usual platform. We have to do it for a reason. We're not doing it just to annoy people. We would love if all our trains should be on Platform 4, leave Platform 4, but sometimes they can't. For numerous reasons they can't do that, but we have to run the train, so the train has to go from another platform. Occasionally, the problems are bigger, and it's not just a question of moving passengers to a different platform. Kevin has to solve these problems too. As a last resort, he may have to hire buses to take passengers to their destination. Usually we can only organise buses. For emergency, we can only organise buses. So part of our function is if the line closes for whatever reason. Thankfully, it's never all our tracks. It's usually one or the other. But we would we would know, OK, say if it's the Belfast line, the Northern line, right? So today, for the 11.20, we have probably about 200 people travelling on the train today at 11.20. So if the line closes for whatever reason, we have to still get those 200 people to Belfast. So there's discussions with ourselves here in the station. It's called traffic regulator who's in the signal box, central signal box. We would have discussions with them and say, right, when do you think we're getting the road back? Because we know it's going to take us half an hour to get buses. 
So if they think they're going to get the, the, the roads back operational for us in a half an hour, we just we just take the hit for the half an hour, 40 minutes. But they would liaise with us and say, Kevin, there's a team out there, there's a serious problem. You probably need to start looking for buses for the 11.20 or the 11 o'clock to Sligo. So my job then would be come down, open my phone book up, ring me bus company and we deal with them and we have a good working relationship with those as well. We ring them up, we tell them, what I need, I have 200 people, I need to move 200 people when I need to move them as quickly as possible. So do the buses take them all the way to Belfast or to a station that's beyond where the problem is? Normally take them to the next point. With Belfast trains, normally the regulators will terminate the trains coming out of Belfast at Drada. So the run is from Connolly to Drada and then back again. Sometimes if it's on, on just on the dark line, it might be Malahide. So we run a bus from here to Malahide and back again. Either way, it's all in a day's work for the station master in Connolly. Adjacent to Connolly Station for many years was the North Star Hotel. Sean Reid, the commercial director of the rebranded hotel, tells of its origins. It's in an area here that back in the 1700s was called the Strand. Amiens Street, it's an ancient thoroughfare dating back to the 1790s. The opening of the Dublin to Drogheda line came in the 1840s and it gave a great boost to the area over time with passengers going on what later became known as the Great Northern Railway. The North Star Hotel itself was then opened in the 1860s as the growing passenger numbers in the station increased. At this time, the hotel was valued at about £38. You'd barely get your dinner in for, for that now, you know. The opening of the Loopland Bridge led to a new rail link that took a chunk out of the North Star. Sean Reid takes up the story. In the 1890s then, there's a viaduct that runs across the back of the hotel and they actually took a section of the hotel off to facilitate that and it effectively split the land. So we now have, as you see, those iconic arches in the hotel when you come into a foyer. So it adds an awful lot of character to the building and then we developed the hotel and beyond the back of that into two wings. In the early 20th century, the North Star was immortalised in James Joyce's masterpiece, Ulysses, as Sean Reid explains. On the 16th of June 1904, James Joyce places Leopold Bloom at the hotel, struggling to hail a four-wheel carriage on account of not being able to whistle very well, which was the way you hail a taxi or a four-wheel carriage in those days. A lot has changed since then, and today the hotel has been rebranded as the address at Connolly, a four-star, nine-storey complex with 278 bedrooms. And just as the hotel has evolved, so too has the workforce, whose backgrounds reflect the more diverse Ireland of today. I asked Sean Reid about the hotel workers. So typically the hotel here would have roughly about 250 staff. You throw a dart at a globe, really, it's from all over. There's a great mix of people that work in the hotel. So we have Croatia, we have China, we have Romania, we have Spain, we have Portugal, we have France, we have Ireland and we have UK. In this ever-changing scene, are train travellers from Conley still a feature for the hotel? The hotel originally was built because of the train station. It was the primary driver for the need for a hotel in the area. Today the landscape has changed. I mean, you'd say Dublin Airport is definitely as important to a hotel as the train station. But you get a lot of people coming down from the north of Ireland who would have offices in Dublin. They use the hotel here to meet. They do their business and away they go. We get a lot of people from the north who just like to stay here because it's convenient off the train. So the train station definitely not as reliant on Connolly Station as it once was but certainly an important part of the infrastructure that's here, and, and particularly the addition of the Lewis is a great link for us up then into the attractions in Dublin that people come here to see. Now it's time to say goodnight, goodnight. At Connolly Station, a busy day 
finally comes to a close. During the evening we closed down the station. It's uh, just simply that um, the last trains arrive here about five past twelve. I think the last start arriving from Bray and out they arrive in the terminate here in Connolly and then they go empty out to Fairview for servicing. So we have security staff here and we have station staff and then their job is just to go around and check all the lifts are empty, pull down the security shutters, check that all the public toilets are empty, no customers in there and then we just pull down the shutters and lock the doors to the front of the door. So what does the future hold for Connolly Station? DART Plus is a major programme to see the electrification of the route as far as Hazelhatch, up to Drogheda and also out to Minute M3 Parkway. Jane Cregan tells us more about Irish Rail's plans. We will see a new entrance to Connolly Station and we also will see an improvement to platforms 5, 6 and 7 because we will be running significantly more services on that route once the route is electrified. There's a considerable gain too for the environment in the plans. It's part of our strategy to become more sustainable, to have more electrified services and also to increase capacity and frequency so that we will encourage people to come out of their cars and to take the train. So it's a big change for us, a very big change for the good when we'll see a significant increase in the DART network. Looking ahead, Jane Cregan sees a bright future for train travel. It's really ambitious because, you know, we want to carry more and more people and we want to really assist in addressing the climate action challenges. And I think this is a really big way because if we can have a major sea change in how people commute and how people go about their business, I think we'll have a big reduction in car use and more people opting for the train because it's going to be more frequent and it's going to be a more sustainable way to travel. As we draw to a close, we leave the last word on Connolly Station to Barry Scully. I remember the diesel trains coming in, the noise of them, but the hairs used to stand in the back of my neck. And the excitement of when you were in Connolly, you were going somewhere. Yeah, it's it's um, it's iconic station, Connolly, and long may it keep going the way it is. Connolly Station, A Day in the Life, was produced and edited by Brian Gallagher. Our thanks to all those who took part in the project. This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.